0: Coming live from Boston, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you're watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Douglas Spencer, President of Spencer Brenneman LLC. And before that, uh, Douglas was Vice President, Global Head of Brand Management for Thomson Reuters. Welcome to the show, Douglas.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. This is going to be a fun discussion.
0: Indeed, it will be. And a lot of learning from you. You ca- carry great learning and insights for the audience. And we'll be talking about, you know, how brands can create meaningful connections with those important to their success. So first, to understand from the very basics itself, Douglas, what is a brand anyway?
1: Well, I, that's a great question because most people think that a brand is the logo or the uh, website or any of the marketing materials that an organization has. And those are just the outputs of a brand. Uh, for me, <clears throat> a brand is what you just described. It is the, it is the relationship that you have with the people most important to your success so those can be um prospects customers employees it is critically important that people think about their employees as important relationships Um, and that's how a brand and a brand can help create that so once you start creating a connection with people that is your brand which is why people say which is, why, which is where brand loyalty comes from, right? So right. people will go out of their way to work with a brand because they have a connection with it, not just because of the price, not just because of the features. So a brand really is that emotional connection that you have, your organization has with those most important to your success.
0: Okay, and how do brands create uh, meaningful connections? First of all, connection itself, and then comes a meaningful, connection so how do brands have connections with their important stakeholders or people who are so crucial to their success who are these people how do brands connect with them and then the next step comes in how do brands create meaningful connections with them now here brands I mean it me it can be also consultants coaches mm-hmm. uh, individuals Nowadays it's, it's the time of great resignation. So people are doing a lot of stuff for themselves and, and want, to, want to be independent people now to get jobs, get, get work. They need to have a good brand. And obviously, the brands as such that we know about big brands, small brands, and you know, and upcoming brands. So tell us all about that you know. You are a top guy in this industry, and you know it all. So please tell us. Tell us as much as
1: possible on this. Oh, oh gosh. Well, that's a, that's quite an intro to the question. Um, I think there's a lot of people that would sh- that would uh, shudder at someone telling me that I know all. Uh, but we'll just we'll just skip that part. But so we believe that there are three main components to a strong message. Um, the first is uh, one of them is differenti- differentiation. I think most people understand that as you go about um whatever you're trying to accomplish whether that's selling um something to to somebody whether that's um getting them to work with you um there's you have to differentiate yourself from all the other options that people have excuse me the second thing that people that that strong messages have is authenticity and this is particularly important now um, you know, you referenced the great resignation and that a lot of that comes from the, the fact that people are not feeling an authentic connection with their employers. Uh, they don't feel like they, they don't share the same values. They don't uh, they don't trust. There's no trust. So authenticity is excre- extremely, important um, to have. <clears throat> and the third part is emotion. Now, human beings make decisions to, with, two, uh, with uh, two sides of a coin, if you will. Uh, the first right. is analytical. How much is this gonna cost? What is the return on investment? What are the features that something has? All of the, all of the objective data that go along with making a decision. But every decision we make also has an emotional side. Um, you know, how does it make me feel when I do this? What do I want to say to others? Um, you know, people who buy expensive cars oftentimes are trying to tell the world that, hey, I am successful. And that is very much an emotional need, not just the analytical need of being able to get from point A to point B. So there's an emotional element to every decision we make, even like what to wear in the morning. Um, there's, and so a brand needs to speak to that. Now here's the secret. Most of the time, people make purchasing decisions, driven by their emotional wants, but they use the analytical needs to justify it. So for example, I want, I really want a fancy car just because I really want it. I want to treat myself or I want to send a message to people, but I use the analytical objective reasoning of, well, I need to get to work. I need to be able to go places. So that's how it works. So you've got to have that emotional element. So you've got to have differentiation, you've got to have authenticity, and you've got to have an understanding of the emotions that are involved in that relationship.
0: Right, right. So differentiation, authenticity, and emotions, uh, emotional connect. Now, <laughs> then the challenge is that brands deal with a lot of messaging. But the problem is the right messaging and the right messaging that connects with your target audience or with your stakeholders. So how do they create that messaging strategy? What should brands do and what should brands should not do?
1: Okay. Well, um, one of the things that we always do is we make certain that we base our, our decisions on data. So we have to have research. We have to have an understanding of the people that we are trying to connect with. And one of the things I'll skip right to, I'll I'll jump to rather, one of the things that people should not do, and that is assume they know what people want. Um, Throughout my career, I've worked with lots of people who say, oh, we don't need market research. I know the customer. I know what they want. I've done that job. And that is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, People change. Um, and we all bring our own uh, we own we bring our own filters into things. So um, you absolutely have to understand your customers, your potential employees, your current employees, anybody you're trying to connect with. You need to understand what's important to them, both um, analytically, um, like those the analytical needs, and also emotionally. What does they want out of the relationship? So using the example of uh, employment. Um, you know, people want to feel like they share the values of their employer so what are the values that they appreciate what are the things that they want you've got to know that in order to be able to create a message that speaks to them so the first thing is you have to understand the people um, with whom you're trying to connect and that usually comes through either um, uh, market research or even qualitative research um, doing, uh, just having discussions with representative people of the community you're trying to connect to. So that's the first thing you have to do. You have to understand the people with whom you're trying to connect. Right. The next thing you do is once you understand that, you have to determine basically four things. Um, the first is why. Why are you really doing this? Now, most of us have can make a living in any number of ways. but for some reason we've chosen whatever it is we've chosen. I've chosen marketing branding because I like I like use I like the creative side of it and I like the um, strategic side of it and it gives me both a creative outlet and a way to and a way to think about things and a, and a challenge to think about things differently constantly. you know everybody has a reason why they do what they do. so it's really important to be very clear about why you're doing what you're doing. You know, the um, the author, Simon Sinek, says that people buy why you do what you do, not what you do. And I totally agree. So you have to be crystal clear on why you are in whatever business you're in or why you're doing whatever you're doing, because that bring that connects to the authenticity that we spoke about earlier on. So when you're crystal clear on why you're doing what you're doing, you're better able to have an authentic message that will connect with the people most important to your success. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, what is it you do exactly? Now, that might seem simple, but actually it's not. You've got to be able to clearly say what it is you do. You know, I could say that I'm, a, I'm a, a brand strategist. Well, what does that mean? Well, I help organizations connect with the people who are most important to their success. That's what I do. And so you've got to be crystal clear on that. So that's, that's the second thing, the What? And then paired with the what is the how. How do you do that in in a way that is relevant and competitively differentiated from all the other options people have? And this is really, really important. How do you do what you do in a way that is different from all the other options people have? And people say, well, we have great customer service. That is not a sufficient answer. Because everyone can claim they have great customer service, so you really have to dig down deep, and this requires a lot of introspection, and a lot of, um, and a lot of co- discussion and conversation and and uh, dialogue and debate on how what your organization does and how it does it differently than anybody else. So together, the what and how create speak to the differentiation we talked about. So we talked about authenticity. We talked about differentiation and the what and how really speak to that. And the final thing that um, you need to have when it comes to your brand and how you connect with people, um, most important to six, how you create that message is what I call the way people also call those the brand personality attributes. So if your brand were a person, how would you describe it? Are you a serious brand? Are you a lighthearted brand? Are you a, um, are you a, um, <clears throat> academic brand? What is it about you that, 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 um, what is, what do you like? What are your, what are the, what's the emotional vibe your brand sends out? And that of course speaks to the emotion. So we've got authenticity, differentiation, and emotion that respect that respectfully, uh, respectfully, um, are represented by the, why the what, and how, and the way.
0: Okay, okay, uh, Douglas. Now, in terms of, you know, you have spelled out very, very nicely. Now, the biggest challenge I, in, if I understand correctly, is that a lot of people, brands, or the employees, they understand that they know what buyers want, what mm-hmm. they want, and and they they actually uh, think that they are doing and going towards that particular thing but it is not the case what about the buyer persona that they have created because every company first does this spends a lot of money maybe internally externally with lots of data and they think with all their that data and understanding of a uh, you know ideal buyer they have in mind in presentations in all their meetings and they have this Fire persona in mind and they want to catch that person and squeeze every ounce of, you know, so-called revenue out of that person in in a continuous manner. How do they actually calibrate what they do and what they don't know? How do they bring about to a certain ground where it works actually for them and where there is a meaningful connection with a buyer, where a buyer is not just a statistics or some statistics put together to bring out a buyer persona, but actually there is a human behind that. How do they do that?
1: Well, um, first of all, I want to I want to kind of push back on a couple things you said, if I may. Uh, the first is that all companies do the buyer personas. And I wish that were true. Um, There are a lot of companies that do not do buyer personas. um, And uh, because going back to what I said before, they just assume they know what the customer wants. So I wish everyone did the buyer personas. Secondly is the idea of squeezing all the revenue they can out of someone. And if that is your goal, then that's a big problem because you should not... The, the approach should not be, especially if you want to have an authentic connection with people that is a long term, a long lasting, a um, meaningful relationship, a profitable relationship. And that's a really important word to use. If you really want to have a profitable relationship with folks, you can't you can't approach it with the idea of extracting as much revenue out of someone as you can. You need to approach it as providing a service. That they want and need that you can provide to them, and then being reimbursed for that in a way that is profitable for you. So, if you approach something thinking about just the revenue, then that's your big, that's the first challenge. Um, And that you really need to spend some time thinking about again, going back to why are you doing what you're doing? If it's just to make money, well, then you need to keep working. You need to find something else that speaks to your talents. Speaks to what gets you excited. Speaks to um, what you can do for others so that they can reward you. So that's a really big, big part. Uh, really big part of it. So going back to your question that you asked that I that I skipped over intentionally, but I'll come back to it. Um, is how do you uh, how do you take those and let me let me make sure I understand the the question. How do you take those buyer personas and make them work for you? Is that is that right. Okay. Right, okay, all right. Well, so this is where the creativity comes in, and this is where you need to work with uh, really talented graphic designers, really talented uh copywriters, because those folks have the skill set that they can take those um buyer personas and they can, um, with their experience, with their ta- talents, uh, with their creativity that's where you'll be able to connect with them because they have, they have, you know, the professional designers and professional writers have done this over and over and over again, and they know how to find the right connection. And that also goes back through goes, that also speaks to what I uh, referenced before the way, what are the personality attributes of your brand? So if you have a a brand persona that say is a, um, is a single woman in her early thirties, who is college educated. She is a foodie. Um, she likes going out uh, and to eat. She likes to, um, she likes to run, um, and she likes, um, football. Uh, so if you have all those details and I'm just making that up completely off the top of my head, if you have all those details then you think, okay, well, she's a foodie. That means that she has, Um, An interest in things that there's a little bit of a complexity there. So, you know, she likes she likes different layers of, of taste in her food. So that means we can in our message, we can create something that's a little bit more layered. Um, if she's a football fan, that means that she likes action and she likes um, activity, and so that means, from a copy's perspective, that you would want to have copy that moves quickly. That you want to have you want to have a um, a tone and a cadence to what you're saying that that aligns with um, aligns with that persona.
0: Right now, Douglas, uh, here I wanted to understand one thing from you is that organizations, salespeople, marketing people, they are always under deep pressure to create more demand from buyers. Mm -hmm. And the newest mantra is that it costs less to have repeat customers than to create new customers. And how do you, how do you balance that out? As I earlier said, not to squeeze every, uh, you know, Every rupee out of your buyer personas or your buyers in the name of repeat customers and, and still are able to maintain a meaningful connection. Because uh, when you created that buyer persona, uh, this imaginary buyer persona, buyer persona, then I was about to add pre-diabetes, foodie, but pre-diabetes. Now, how does a brand, and a brand knows it. They have a lot of data,
1: right? right.
0: How should they be? It's an ethical question as well as, you know, that is where the real part of marketing comes in, how do you draw the line? How do you calibrate your requirements as well as looking at the buyer, not only from a buyer persona perspective, but actually as a human being on the other side of the table?
1: Wow, uh, that's a great question. I think it's going to be different for every type of organization because all types of sales are different, right? You've got business, 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 consumer, consumer, blah 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 blah. You got a lot of letters and a lot of twos in between them. Um, so I think it's going to be different from for each organization. You know, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure I know how to answer that question. I think that um, if you work for, an or if you're a salesperson, you work for an organization that is constantly focused on. Um, new um, on acquiring new customers than they are on overall revenue, then that's a problem, and you know that's that just doesn't even make sense because you're absolutely right. It is way easier to maintain a client than to find a new one. So if if you're if you're caught in that dilemma, I think that's a challenge. You have to think about yeah, you d- you always want to keep your customers happy, and yeah, you always do want to find new customers. So I think the balance is. How much are you willing to invest in finding new customers while still maintaining the relationship you have with your existing ones? So a lot of that is about the math is a lot about the math. So, for example, um, when you think of the big brands like Google or Apple or Microsoft, they've got a lot of money that they can spend on acquiring new customers. But a startup doesn't have that kind of budget. Uh, a younger company does not have the kind of means to go out and really focus on um, on cl- uh, new client acquisition. So they have to they have to keep the clients they have. It's more important for them, in some respects, to keep the clients they have because they don't have the budget to acquire new ones. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. It does. Okay. And okay. now and then, the thought comes about the connections. Then, uh, because vision and meaningful connection don't you think they should be connected in some some way because when you start a company you have a vision and then you move forward with your vision and your organization is aligned with that vision Mm -hmm. and then you move forward you scale up uh, assuming that you are sticking to that vision the market forces are there but they are not Uh, controlling you but you are uh, moving forward it's like a uh, you know a boat in a storm in a storm sometimes it happens and you have to make sure that you are moving your boat correctly or you uh, lay down your anchor so whatever it is uh, if i'm putting it correctly how do organizations do that in today's time especially when they are a lot several of them are funded from outside Mm. How do they calibrate the vision? How do they calibrate meaningful uh, connections with the key stakeholders who are so important to their success? And the most important one is the customer itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, then, and then you calibrate again with the investors. You want the right size of growth? They want a bit of a, a speedy sort of a right. growth. How do you work that out? How do you suggest your clients when you do what you do?
1: Wow. Okay. Um, great question. And I think it's, uh, I think it becomes more and more relevant all the time when you think about being nimble, right? You've got to be, got to have your pulse on what people want and you can't be so focused on now focus is very, very important. And we can talk right. about that in a bit, but let's, let's put that aside. You can't be so focused on one thing, that you become blind to, um, <clears throat> blind to what's actually happening, and you know, in the United States and around the world, you see this with Uber and the ride-sharing applications, right? Because taxis thought they were just they, they were just focused on what they did. They didn't realize there were other needs, and so that's why some an or, let's like ride-sharing apps were able to come in because they saw a need that the taxi companies didn't. And so you have to be very careful not to just get in a rut and stay there because that's what you do you. And it goes back to what I was saying about research. You've got to have continual conversations, continual data, about what is happening in the marketplace, what is happening to your customers, what is changing for your customers. So for example, you talk about, you reference, again, you reference the great resignation. So that means that there's a lot of people who aren't um, commuting as much as they were anymore. So does that have an impact on your business? You have to think about that. So when people think about, we did market research three years ago, well, that's nice, but irrelevant. You know, you've got to continually be asking questions. You've got to be continually getting data about what's important to your customers and and what they think is going to be important to them down the road. And you, there's also, you're right, many, most companies have all sorts of data on that. And, you know, the big consulting firms are selling that data, will sell that data to you happily about what they think is going to be in the future for what you th- should plan. Um, but the point is, you can't be rigid about what you do. Now, why you do what you do shouldn't probably shouldn't change. But how you do that, what you actually do to fulfill that why, that should always align with um, both reality today and where you assume people are headed.
0: Right, right. So, Douglas then... The thing comes is that how to keep your organization focused and focused on what? Focused I... on what? And then mm-hmm. the tools, uh, you know, uh, using messaging and branding strategies to stay focused. How mm-hmm. do you do that? And firstly, I would like to understand from you focused on what? Vision or the demands of the marketplace or the demands of the investors?
1: Um, Excellent question. I'm glad you asked it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So if you remember, I talked earlier about the what and the how, what you do, and how you do it differently than all the other options people have. The hows are actually a superpower if you use them correctly. Um, They can be a litmus test for you to decide on what to do. So the great thing about entrepreneurs is that they have all of these great ideas and they wanna solve a lot of problems. But the bad thing about entrepreneurs is they have all these great ideas and they wanna solve a lot of problems. And so if you're able to look at, all right, so this is what we do. Here's how we do it differently. Each one of those hows can be a litmus test. So let's say I want to, um, all right, let's say I am, let me think of a good example. Let, let's say that I am an organization that uh, this is this is a client of uh, we uh, organization we worked with a number of years ago. It's an international nonprofit called Leading Cities. You can check them out at leadingcities.org, and um, they help cities harness new technologies to work more efficiently. So To save, to save, uh, to solve problems around climate change, to solve problems around um, uh, population um, increases or decreases, uh, things like that. So let's say someone came to them and said, "All right, we should do a, um, we should do um, concert, city concerts, a series of city concerts." Well, they can look at their hows and say, "All right, does that meet this how? Does that meet this how? Does that meet this how?" And if the answer is no, then they don't do it. And so one of my, one of my clients um, said to me once after going through this process, she says, I love this process because now you gave me the permission to say no because you have a structure that says what it is you do and what you don't do. And so if you can stay focused on that, on, what, on how you do what you do differently than anybody else, that's gonna keep you focused. And that's gonna prevent you from trying to solve all the problems in the world or being distracted because a lot of leaders are easily distracted, which is part of their superpower, right, that they have all these ideas. But if you have a structure um, through your brand, through your how you do what you do, then you can stay focused.
0: Right, right. And then the other question that is related to this is that whose job is it to keep the organization focused? Because if you see the organizational structure in today's time, a CEO may come and may go Mm -hmm. soon, very soon, or may stay there for some time, but he is not there for a long, long time. Generally, it does not happen that way except for a few things. So his job is, if it's a listed firm or even a bigger firm, then his job is to ensure that the numbers are good. He shows good numbers to the board and gets extension after extension mm-hmm. so will he be the right person is it the promoters who are also again looking at scaling up and looking at you know growth is it the investor who has put in the money is it the HR head is it is it is it the brand custodian who is it whose responsibility is it in an organization which is you know quite dynamic to keep it focused on whatever it should be focused on
1: the answer is yes um, it is everybody's everybody's responsibility because if you th- go back to what the what i what my what i what i suggest the brand is which is the relationship you have with those most important to your success You can't just have one person doing that. It's got to be everybody. It's got to be the board. They have got to get behind where they want to take the organization. It's got to be the leader. They have to be clear on that and help their teams focus on staying true to that relationship that they're trying to have, stay true to that brand. It's got to be all the people underneath. One of the things that we did when I was at Thomson Reuters is we not only did we do brand training that just explained the brand to everybody, we started to do um, job specific brand training. So if you're a salesperson, here are some of the ways that the brand can come to life for you. Here are some of the ways that you can use the brand to connect with people in an authentic, in a differentiated and an emotional way. And so if you think about the brand as, as an organization's relationship with people, then it's everybody's, everybody has a role to play. One of my first jobs out of college was working at a hospital And I did public relations for this hospital. And one of the things I had to do was um, um, do uh, I had to speak at orientation, new employee orientation. And one of the things that we used to reinforce is that whether you come in contact with a patient every day, every hour, once a week or never at all, you are here at this organization to help make people feel better. Or help cure people, and there's a great story about John F. Kennedy um, at NASA. He ran into a he, uh, he ran into a, a janitor, and he said, and the John, uh, uh, President Kennedy said, "So, what do you do here?" He says, "I send men to the moon," because he knew he had a role in keeping the place clean, which helped the engineers, which helped, which helped. So he understood his role in the bigger picture. So everybody absolutely everybody has to be on that team, getting people to the moon, Um, getting people to connect with your organization, getting people to buy from you, getting people to stay with you, getting people to work with you, getting people to do whatever it is you need them to do. Everybody has to be on that journey. And the brand is the the tool you use to create that connection, to create that common understanding, to create that focus.
0: Right. And... Who are these key people, important people that a brand should try and strike meaningful connections with? Who are these? Mm-hmm. Do, is there an order to that? Is it is it just, you know, alphabetically we should look at it. How should the brand, who are the Can you enumerate them? And how should brand look at each one of them?
1: Well, I I used to teach a a marketing class and uh, the students always joke that my answer to every question was, it depends. Um, And I think that's true here. It really does depend because it depends on where your organization is in its journey. Um, It depends on what kind of an organization you have. So if you have a high touch, uh, if you're selling something that's high touch where you need a lot of people. then in some respects, your employees are your most important um, uh, audience because you cannot have happy customers if you have unhappy employees. So, if you're in if you're in a high-touch customer service organization uh, business, then employees are really important. You know, obviously, customers are important because they're the ones that bring the the revenue into the organization, as our prospects. But it depends on where you are in your organization. Uh, in your organization's history. It depends on what kind of organization you are. Um, it, so a lot of it does depend. It can't, there's not one, there's not one single answer, for, at least from my perspective.
0: Right, right. Uh, you have uh, actually, you know, given lots of good perspective on every question that I asked. Uh, some of them were quite wide, you know, open-ended, and I'm sure it was difficult, For there's no right or wrong answer to it. But you help us understand with your, you know, deep perspective of understanding of this whole stuff. So let's now move on to the other ones. But related to this is your book, Do They Care? Mm-hmm. Tell us about this book, How what this is all about, and how people can get this book.
1: Okay, thank you. So thank you. It's a book I wrote a number, excuse me, a few years ago. It's a very small book. It's not a lot. It's a quick read. It's called Do You Care? The One Question all brands should ask themselves continually. And it goes back to what I said earlier about research in some respects, right? You can't do research and then in three years expect it to still be relevant. So you continually have to ask yourself, um, do these people care? So let's start with employees. And I think you should always start with it. Do employees care? So, you know, who do you, you know, I, I, um, you know, some organizations, so some companies have a culture where they say, well, you need to stay late and do this. Well, I'm not going to do that. That going back again to the third or fourth time under a reference is the great resignations. People are fed up with being treated like robots. You have to get them to care about something in order to do it. And data show over and over again that engaged employees are way more productive, way more likely to go above and beyond the call of duty, way more likely to pitch in a, on an area that's not their remit. Right. So. Um, you have to continually ask: Do you care? Do our customer, do our employees care about what we do? And that goes back to the authenticity. You have to ask yourself: Do our um, do our prospects and company, and do our uh, prospects and uh, clients care about us? Do they care about the relationship? Relationships are two-way streets, right? Um, do they care about us as much as we care about them? And if you have a relationship that's built on mutual benefit as opposed to just extracting as much revenue out of somebody as possible, then you, they are gonna care. But if they don't care, they're gonna jump ship. They're gonna go to the next competitor as soon as they can because they don't care. They do not care. Same goes with um, the press. You know, you, can't, you, can't, you, you have to make certain that the press understand why what you do is important so that they care about sharing your message. Um, any organization, government, um, public opinion. So um, uh, a number of years ago here in Boston, um, uh, Amazon was trying to open up a big, I was thinking about opening up a big office here. And there was a lot of community pushback. And there was also a lot of uh, community push forward. There were a lot of people in the community that did want them because they did care about Amazon, even if they weren't a client, or even if they didn't use Amazon Believe it or not, there was a time where not everyone used Amazon. So right. there was. So there, it, it's the public opinion. Do people care? And that all goes back to your brand, that that emotional connection you have with those most important to your success.
0: Right, right, Douglas. Now, do tell us about your company, you know, uh, Spencer Brennaman. What you do and uh, exactly? Uh, I think in 2020 you shifted gears towards much more different sort of, you know, uh, uh, towards a bit more focused towards meaningful connections with everyone important and all that stuff. Uh, Please do tell us about that.
1: Sure, well, we are, actually this month is our eight year anniversary. Uh, We've been around for eight years um, and it's been quite a journey. Um, Basically what the, the whole premise of my organization was to take everything that I learned working at a global company like Thomson Reuters, where we spent lots of money, we spent millions on the brand, and we worked with some very smart agencies to help us do that. And so what I wanted to do when I left Thompson Reuters was help smaller organizations benefit from that thinking um, without having to spend millions of dollars, right? Um, So we did that for a number of years. Then in 2020, when the pandemic happened, I took a step back and thought, all right, well, what am I doing? What do I want to do with the with the years I have left working or on this planet? And I decided that I really wanted to shift my focus to helping purpose driven organizations, organizations right. that were trying to fix some sort of societal challenge. And it's been really fun. We've done that. We've worked with uh, environmental organizations. We worked with. Um, Uh, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion organizations. We've worked with uh, healthcare organizations, organizations that social service organizations, for example, organizations that help take care of uh, abused children. Uh, We've worked with biotech companies. So anyone that's trying to solve some sort of a problem, and that's been really great. But what we do is we help organizations take a pause, take a look at who they are in this moment, and then um, really articulate what we talked about earlier you know why are they doing what they're doing um, what is it they're doing exactly how do they do it differently than everybody else and what is the way what's the best way that the messages should come to life what are their personality attributes and so we're helping uh organizations do that so they can raise more money so that they can connect with uh, connect with uh their current donors uh, so that they can attract even you know nonprofits they are just as strapped for talent as for profits, you know, and they need to think about attracting and retaining the best, um, the best um, uh, talent as well. So we're really here focused on helping, um, helping organizations that are trying to solve some sort of a big problem with their authenticity, with their differentiation and with their emotional connections.
0: Right. Douglas, that's, that's a great, you know, way of looking at life and contributing towards a mission driven organizations. Now, how do organizations, suppose uh, somebody from this part of the world, from India, or from any other uh, part of the world, they want to connect with you, uh, seek your advice, understand how you do, what you do, and if you could, there could be some collaboration, how do they connect with you? And please tell.
1: Great, well, there's a couple of ways. So uh, I'm on LinkedIn, um, I'm on Twitter, I'm very easy to find. Um, the website is um, Spencer Brenneman, and that's S P E N C E R B R E N N E M A N dot com, which is a little bit of a mouthful, but you know, um, uh, an easier way to find us is if you go to the URL message.builders slash white um, Message.builders slash white paper, you can download um, a white, our most recent white paper, which is lessons um, from the for profit sector on branding that nonprofits can uh, apply. Uh, We also have one, the the flip side, we have a white paper on lessons that the nonprofit, that the for-profit world can learn from nonprofits. So we have those white papers. So if you go to that, uh, if you go there, you can download the white paper and then you'll be able to get a better sense of what we do. So it's message.builders slash white paper.
0: Right, right, to make uh, your work easy, and for others too easy, I will add all those links to the YouTube description, show thank notes, you. so that it becomes easier for them to connect. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Douglas. You have actually helped us understand all this stuff in very easy uh, easy manner. And I'm sure a lot of people will benefit out of this. A lot of students of branding, a lot of people, small companies, and then what they should look focus on and what, what they should not look at and how they should look at the growth moving forward. With well, this, with this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass live. Thank you so much once again, Douglas. Thank you so much